We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. What's up, Cameron? Nice shirt. What's up, Willie? <laughs> nice of you to mention my yeah, shirt. This welcome is, back. Uh, this is the Other Side of Hell podcast shirt that I yeah. got on the other side of hell podcast.com. Uh, you can get yours too if you check out our website at the other side of hell podcast.com. I really didn't want to go into this this part no. this early in the show. I threw you off. I'm sorry. But it's totally fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we got merch. We're excited new, about it. New stuff. Yeah, you know, it excited. feels good to wear it to represent, you know, because we've got some some really good feedback lately about what we're doing here and that just invigorates us cuz we're we're human, right? Like we're just couple dudes yeah just few dudes here doing our thing trying to get a message out and say fuck if we can do it you can do it you know both sober today and in a good space and so mm-hmm. it's good to be back it's good to see you thanks yeah, for it's good mentioning to be the here, merch man. yeah perfectly imperfect that's what we are yeah you know? yeah try to remain teachable and like keep moving forward mm-hmm. keep moving forward you know i i'm really appreciative of the opportunity to be here with you today and talk about teachability, te- teachableness. Teach- yeah. It, what is it? Teach. I just want to say <laughs> that I think it's important to be teachable. Yeah. And being teachable is uh, is a very important aspect of my recovery. Yeah, for sure. And you guys, you know, you want to stick around because in, in turn, we kind of got the topic from our war story, Claire, which mm-hmm. has an amazing story. And uh, I'm really excited to share that with you guys. And, yeah, Claire and, from Rehab Barbie. Right? Yeah, yeah, and we had we had uh, her co-host Melissa on the last episode, and so we're kind of running them back to back. And their stories are, are different but the same. And and now they get to share a message together. So good stuff, bro. So yeah, you, you actually had the idea of of the topic of teachable, and so why did you want to talk about? teachable well as I a think topic as as uh recently i've just been reflecting a lot on um you know where i was or or what my program looked like when i was early on in recovery and sort of what it looks like now and you know one of the biggest things that i remember about early early sobriety was just how much of a blank slate i had to be how much mm. stuff i had to just forget about right? yeah and uh and 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 then be in a position where I could absorb information from others. Mm-hmm. And, and I was a sponge, dude. Like, because when I, when I came into the rooms or when I went into a treatment center, you know, like when I first became sober, like my own ideas and impressions of what I thought the world was, was completely shattered. And it had to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like my own ideas about myself, my own ideas about how the world worked, my own ideas about, you know, the people around me, everything was just erased, you know? And and because of that, like what it allowed for me to do was to entertain the idea of, of new thoughts, um, new actions, new concepts, new beliefs, you know, and so it was really, really important to me to, to have that, um, 
to have that element like in those early days and even still now, you know, and I know you, you've been in this place for a little while with your spirituality, um, where well, you bring that up, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Where you've sort of, you've, you've circled back to a couple of things or maybe reintroduced, you know, this idea. And I think that you're able to do that because of your, your ability to remain teachable, mm. you know? And I think for me, like, it's it's something that I'm seeing in some of the people that I'm working with, um, you know, just that thirst for knowledge, that uh, that openness, that willingness, and, and all that comes with it. And so, um, it's it's worth talking about. It's a very important element to me and in, in my life and my recovery today. And so, it's definitely something worth discussing. Sure. Yeah. And it it, it raises the question of you know what is what is teachable look like right like what do you what do i mean when i'm going into uh work with another guy in sobriety a fresh a freshie you know somebody brand new freshie. brand new to the concept of sobriety right like like what does teachable look like what do i see somebody how do i know that they're that they're teachable or coachable or or they're even willing to take on this process because one of the things that was was done for me was that another person took time out of their life to teach me what they were taught right and mike that's so important you know i heard i heard somebody talk the other day and it it just struck me so deeply and it's something so simple that I, i never really thought about you know like with the podcast you know what we're doing here with this message and and in sobriety when we go to a meeting and we share our experience the hope is to get someone to to grab a hold of that, right? Mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to have the seed planted, say something that they can resonate with, that that opens them up to a new concept of life. And the hope is, and we say it all the time, but I don't know how much emphasis we put behind it. You know, if we reach one person, right? If we reach one person, then it was worth it, right? But when I put myself in the position of being that one person, like I'm one person. And somebody reached out and changed my life. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You're one person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so when I put it in that context, like, wow, it becomes so much more relatable, right? Like, yes. And that, when I when I do that and I can put myself in the position of being that one person that's receiving the gift of the message, that in turn, like, I can flip that around and go, okay, this one person really is super important. To, to teach. And so what does that look like if it's worth me taking all the stuff that I was taught, right? And giving that to another person, mm-hmm. right? How do I know that that person's receiving it, that they even want it, right? Because as a teacher, you look for somebody that's teachable. And as a student, you try to remain teachable, mm-hmm. right? So you look for, um, you look for mentors or teachers or inspirational beings around you right and so like it just flows from one person to the next but when i'm looking at a new guy you know open-mindedness is a big one right so so we go in and we start sharing these concepts and and i look for a person that isn't making excuses right off the bat right Mm -hmm. and then when i'm being taught i have to check myself and say am i making excuses for this to not work mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like, yeah like, like right and so like there's that there's that habitual like distrust mm-hmm. from our addiction out there 
And I really want to be able to like, let all that go. Like you were talking about early on, Mm -hmm. let go of the trust or or the, the mistrust, let go of the doubt, let go of the fear, let go of the absolute certainty that this isn't going to work for me and open up to a new idea that perhaps what this person's telling me could work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so being teachable is a great demonstration of humility. Right, right. Right. Like, like, okay, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I'm not the know all end all of all this stuff mm-hmm. of sobriety and employment and relationships yeah, and yeah. all the things that I'm going to have to work on once I quit drinking and using all those things are still going to be there. I'm going to have to work on them. And, and there's probably a good chance that I'm going to need help and guide getting guidance and how to navigate through those things with some dignity and grace. Right. <laughs> well, know? and I think that, you know, the humility is such a big part of it because, you know, and it's such a fine line too, especially when you're in a position to both be teachable and be teaching somebody, like mm-hmm. you said, like when you, when you work with the new guys and, 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 you know, there's nothing more, I want to put this in a way and maybe I shouldn't even try. Like I want to like <laughs> no, try, sugar, try, try. sugar coat it somehow, yeah. but like there's nothing more, um, discouraging than somebody that, that wants half of what you have. Right. Like right. The, they're, they're sort of bringing their own ideas to the table and they, they see something in you that they want, but their, their willingness maybe isn't there all the way there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, you know, they come, they come with their own ideas and, and, and they're only hearing half of what you're, what you're saying. And, you know, odds are in my experience from what I've seen, like that person's probably not going to do well. Right. You know, um, but, but to, to realize that with those people who are fully teachable, who have opened their minded and maybe forgotten some of the things that they, they, they came into the rooms with, or at least willing to entertain the idea that they don't know everything. Right. Um, that, uh, that I, I at least present myself in a way where I don't have all the answers either, dude. Like all I know, like all I can do is share with you my experience, right? And this is my experience. This is what it was like for me. This is the things that I did. And, you know, and by doing those things and thinking these concepts and thinking in this way and, and looking at things differently, I've been able to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so trying to, to be that person detached from ego instead of being the guy that's like good you don't know shit i'm gonna tell you what to do right like i got all the answers here for you like take a look at this take a look at that bro look at this bro look at that and it's like that that's not good for me either yeah you know like i i have to come to it with that humility like i have to be that guy that's like i'm still just as teachable like when i'm teaching Right. So like, as I present this information to you, I am learning the best way to communicate that to you in a way that keeps me humble. Because if not, then I have just turned teaching you into a negative thing for myself. Uh And that's not how it should be. Like, that's the exact opposite of what we're going for when we talk about like helping others. Like when we're helping others, it should be a positive experience, not a way for me to feed my ego and thus have a negative impact on myself. Yeah. You know, so humility is such a key point to this whole teachable thing. 
And, and I think that, you know, early on in recovery, like it was easy for me to be humble, but like the further I get down the road, it seems as though it becomes a lot more for me to start beginning to think that I have all the answers yeah. and that I know all the things. And like you were saying, like, not just with recovery, like with relationships or, you know, my employer or my career, or this is what you should do, or that is what you should do. Like, this is what you should do. And it's just like, no, man, like I can't, I can't go there. I got to be just as teachable when I'm teaching. Right. You know? So I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good idea to start with one subject, right? (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to learn something like maybe, maybe start on that one thing, which is, which is what makes sobriety so great. Right. Like, like we focus on, the chemical first, you know, we focus on let's, let's get the drinking in check, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what, that's what I was taught by my sponsor was, okay, let's, let's look at the causes and conditions of your drinking. And, and, and if I can do that, like boil it down to that one thing, right? Like the alcoholism, right? I drank essentially because I like the effects produced by alcohol. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I like the effects produced by alcohol because I hate myself and it changes the way that I feel about me. I, I hate myself because I engage in behaviors while drinking and while pursuing drinking that go against my internal moral standard. Right. And I, I go against my internal moral, moral standard because I don't trust myself to make the, the right decisions within my life. I don't trust myself to make the right decisions within my life because I was led astray at a very young age to not trust myself when I saw things going badly with, with people that were supposed to be my authority figures. They were doing negative shit and then telling me not to. And so I didn't, you know, I, I can start breaking this stuff down and get that one thing in check after some time. Like, like it didn't start like me figuring all that stuff out. It started with me trying to get my drinking in check. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and I tried all the things, right. Right. I I tried all the things at first, controlled drinking, right. You know, switching scotch to brandy, right. Only smoking weed, only going out on the weekends, which fucking never happened. Like, not drinking today, praying about it. Like maybe, maybe God can just intervene and like fix me here, you know, but Mm -hmm. it took another alcoholic and it took that level of humility brought in into fruition through an insane amount of pain, right? Like, like my pain was so great that I was broken down to the point of willingness to, to be taught like, Mm -hmm. okay, this other alcoholic that I'm talking to my sponsor at the time seems to know what the fuck he's talking about when it comes to my drinking. Like maybe I'll shut the fuck up and, and take some suggestion. And that's what it boiled down to as far as teachability, right? Like was, okay, he taught me about alcoholism. Now what? (laughs) Yeah. Now what? Okay. So now I know about alcoholism. Like, like I know that when I drink, these things happen. What, what do I do with, my ism what do i do with what is sobriety after i'm taught that yeah emotional sobriety right now we move into action and i needed somebody to teach me the actions of the program of alcoholics anonymous of the program of sobriety the 12 steps and those things that were so impactful on my emotional well-being in the long run which is the the premise for why I have nine years of sobriety, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. I was willing to do the work off of what I was taught. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, and as you're talking, like, it, it seems like it really has to be, like, this perfect trifecta of, like, three different things, right? It's like, I've, I've, I've got to be willing. Like, first and foremost, like, if I'm not willing, like, if I'm not even willing to entertain the idea that, you know, like, that I don't have the answers and that somebody else does, like, I'm, I'm going nowhere, right. you know? Like, the second thing is I've got to be teachable. I've got to be able to retain that information and at least be willing to entertain the idea that it's worth applying. Right. You know, and then the other thing is I've got to have faith, man. Like I got to, I got to trust that there is a process to this. This is what this person has done. And I have faith that if I do these things too, I will be able to get the things that they have gotten through taking those actions. And so it seems like, like teachability, willingness, and faith, like those three things come together early on in recovery to really make the perfect tornado that is me blasting through my recovery right rocketed into the next dimension the fourth dimension into the fourth dimension yeah rocketed into the fourth dimension Mm -hmm. living three-dimensionally in alcoholism (laughs) yeah well and i yeah i mean i really like that i've always i've always liked that saying too like rocketed in the fourth dimension but but no man like i i I really think that it is uh is 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 crucial just to to have that open-mindedness you know and that reminds me of like the set-aside prayer I no, I was kind of sharing this with you, you know, before. Um, yeah, it was a new concept for me. Yeah, and it's funny because I, time. I, you know, I've heard this obviously in AA, and I think it's it's funny that uh, that there's people in AA that we get to hear new concepts and new <laughs> ideas, even though we've been around for 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 quite some time. You know, yeah. Um, the set aside prayer is one of those for me that I heard early on. That, uh, that, you know, I really appreciated and really liked, and it's a good way to start the day. It's not something I say every day, but every once in a while I'll say it, and I, I don't want to screw it up. I don't, I, like, so I will, I'm going to look at something to say it to make sure I get it correct. But Okay. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you look it up? Look at my phone, bro. Um, Ask Google. Hey, hey, well, <laughs> I was going to, but it will actually do it. Yeah. Um, so this is the the set of the set aside prayer as it applies to Alcoholics Anonymous, and and granted we can change these words to whatever may be applicable in our lives. But um, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, the twelve steps, the big book, the meetings, my disease, and you, God, so I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please let me see the truth. Nice. So I think that that's important, like even though we're teachable and we've been able to retain, you know, these ideas and these concepts through AA, through the 12 steps, through the people that we meet in the rooms, through books that we read afterwards, right. through through everything, you know, um, all the all the health and wellness stuff that we're able to get for ourselves and, you know, the information that we're able to to hopefully invest in in in, in the way that we perceive ourselves. Let's put all that aside for one day. You know, like just so that we can maybe be open to the to a new experience, right. to a new idea, to a new concept. And so, yeah, I mean, that that to me sort of just sums up like, am I still teachable? Am I mm-hmm. still willing to set aside all that stuff so that I can experience something new? Right. You know? Yeah. I, I dig it, man. I think it's super important that that does happen, because if if, you know, I like your trifecta. um, Mm-hmm. analogy mm-hmm. you know because if i'm not if i'm not in a space like like i have to know what i'm going after right like i i 
it's a good idea to know what it is I'm trying to learn. Like, what is it that I'm trying to learn? Um, and I think that there's an internal calling for each of us. You know, I, I, I was, I was called to sobriety long before I got sober. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was through, like I said, pain. And so, um, you know, moving forward after sobriety, you know, we talk about our, our food habits after getting sober, right? right? Like mm -hmm. still using food as a, uh, an emotional um, crutch or whatever. Like, like we've, we fell into the addiction of eating compulsively the way that we were drinking compulsively. And so I had to find another outlet. I had to find another teacher on, on what's going on with me with, with the food, right? Like, and I had to be open to whatever the answer was going to be. And mm -hmm. I have to be understanding that I'm not always going to like the answer that's going to come. Right. But I have to be willing to explore whether that's true or not. Just mm -hmm. like that prayer talked about, you know, help me to know what is true. And there's enough information out in, in the world now that uh, we can grab really um, accurate and like tried and true information and read it. And like, that's one level of being taught, right? Like information, being able to accept and retain information is one, one level of, of being teachable. And then we have to go into the action side of being teachable, which I think is coachable, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think mm -hmm. teachable and coachable run, simultaneously with each other because the teachable part for me is the information mm -hmm. the coachable part for me is the information along with the action right so i can be taught all about alcoholism and and everything that goes along with it and then do nothing with it right yeah. right like mm -hmm. okay now now i know but I would rather be like teachable and coachable. Like, mm -hmm. like I think it's so, so cool to be able to have that. Like, you know, when it came to diet and exercise, I thought I knew how to do it, but nothing changed immensely until I got a coach mm -hmm. who gave me information along with the standard for action behind it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we do as teachers, right. As, as you know, sponsors in the program. And that's what my sponsor did with me is, we sat down, we talked about the disease of alcoholism, and then we talked about the solution of alcohol for alcoholism, and then we talked about the action behind the concept so that you could have, in reality, in real time, the, the lifestyle of recovery from alcoholism. Right. You know? Yeah. Faith without works is dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's important that, you know, like I follow through with the information with action. Like, and, and I don't know what it would have been like if I would have gotten an AA sponsor and he said, okay, this is all the stuff I do. See you later. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like I needed, I needed somebody yeah. to be accountable to somebody that was going to say, okay, dude, like, I don't know if you remember this or not. And my sponsor has has, you know, had to have these conversations with me a couple of times where it's like, you know, like I, I, I only know what I know. I only have my experience. My experience is doing this. This is what I shared with you. And you're not really doing that. Like, so your, your sponsor has had that conversation with you. Yeah. A couple like, times. yeah. So it's like, so what, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 you know, those are those moments where it's like, boom, eyes awake. Okay. Right. Duh. Like, yeah. of course, like, 
I, I'm, I'm, I asked you for help. You offered your help. You help. You offered your guidance. I'm not taking that guidance, and now I'm sitting here wondering why I'm miserable. Right. You know well, how co- how come his information isn't working? Right. <laughs> how come I can't just rub that information on me, and I all of a sudden I'm okay? Like that's not the way it works. Like I gotta I gotta take that information, stuff it deep down, and then let it fuel me into that, into action. Right. Right. Which I love that idea of teachable versus coachable. Like. Because, yeah, I can absolutely be teachable, and teachable is definitely a very, very, you know, important part of my recovery, as we just talked about. But being coachable along with it by applying that action and taking that next step, it, it's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's got to follow up. Like, I have to take that action. Like, um, with, without the action, um, I'm just full of useless information. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And I I, I love that we, you know, we we talk about food on this show and like, um, because it is such a, it is, that is one of the things that it was, it was really weird for me because I went from a 12 step program with alcohol, as you did, um, into a a program of, uh, well, I went to OA, I went to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, Uh a 12 step program for food. And like, that was like you talk about teachability and humility it's like you know i come into the oa program thinking you know well i've already done the 12 steps with alcohol so you know how like how different can this be and <laughs> and, and you know little did i know that food is a whole nother ball game like food is just a whole nother it's a whole nother world for me like it it may have been the original culprit like in yeah. fact it, it it was the original culprit like the first thing i used to alter my state of mind with and numb out and isolate from the world with was food, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so when I think about it on that level, it means to me that the underlying issues guiding that behavior are a little bit more deep rooted. And so little did I know that it was going to take more teachability, more willingness and more faith to, to have that, you know, to have any of that removed that obsession removed. Yeah. Um, and so like you, you know, like I've had to get a coach and it's been really like a process for me to like, you know, trust the process, like be honest with the coach. Like what, what do I want? Like you said, like, I've got to, I've got to really ask myself, like, what is it that I want? Like Mm -hmm. I want freedom from, from the idea that food is going to make me happy. Freedom from the obsession. Yeah. I want freedom from the obsession the plotting, the scheming, the negative behavior that I have around food, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to look in the mirror and feel good about myself. I want to love myself. Like no matter what that looks like, mind you, like if I could feel that way at 300 pounds, I'd be okay with it, but I can't. Right. Yeah, we've tried it. I, I know because I've tried it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, like I'm not exactly sure where I was going with that, but I think that it, it it's, it's been important for me to maintain that teachability through all those different aspects of my life, like food, sex, drugs, you know, like all those things that, that are guiding my behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, growth, growth is, is, you know, I think where you're going with it and where I can see this conversation going is growth. Like there's no, there's no stagnation within anything. Right. And so you've gained a ton of information on, the program of sobriety you've gained a ton of information on the program of abstinence from food and and dieting and exercise and then you've gained a ton of information of on spirituality you know meditation um 
you know, these, these different areas, the physical, the emotional and the spiritual mm-hmm. part of mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right. And it's not like, you know, these concepts are just like have just sprung up out of us. Like, it's not like I was going through life an alcoholic and all of a sudden I have this idea, like, I'm just going to start being spiritual now. Right. Like, like, and, and this is what spirituality means. And I've invented this new thing called spirituality. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. Like my pain put me into a position where I was willing to ask for some help. And then these conversations started happening through somebody teaching me the process and then as I learn these things, I gain knowledge in those things. Mm-hmm. And then I retain that knowledge. Okay, now this knowledge is mine and I can build off of that. So my spirituality looks different than it used to, but I have to continue to grow. And the only way that I can continue to grow is to continue to learn, mm-hmm. like continue to learn, continue to practice. And so like, unfortunately, the serenity prayer doesn't work for me like it did nine years ago, right? Because I've grown past a certain level of understanding in that. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't work, right? I'm saying the the elementary level of spirituality that worked for me at day one, this, this willingness at day one, isn't enough medication for my spiritual illness to maintain my disease at this point. Like, I have to keep growing. I have to keep adding to it. I mm-hmm. have to keep practicing this stuff. I have to keep adding weights on my reps, right? Like, like if I don't, then I'm going to start moving backwards. And that's, what's so great about being a teacher and being teachable, right? Is that if I don't give this stuff away, I will lose it. I have to find other people that need this stuff like I do so that I can give that away freely. I have Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. right? That's what was taught to me. That's Mm -hmm. what is shown that, that really works. And, you know, being teachable isn't always something that comes from another person. You know, we can be, we can teach ourselves certain things through experimentation in our lives, right? Like, like we can learn off of ourselves. You know, I've learned that trying to keep all this good shit to myself ends up, uh, turning into uh, poison, I guess you would like, like mm-hmm. stagnant water. Like if I try to keep all this in my own cup and I don't let it flow through me, in and out then whatever's inside of my cup begins to rot and then it becomes poisonous and then I get sick right and and I learned that even though I've heard that from other people I had to learn it firsthand myself through that action through experimentation and and that's what's what the beauty of all this is is that I'm willing to learn from one step to the next through failure and success you know and then expand on my successes I don't fail like I used to in the beginning, right? Like relapse isn't accidental anymore. Like for a long time throughout my life, relapse was accidental. I didn't know what was going on with me, but now I know my triggers because I've learned those things. I've taught them to myself. And then when I can teach other people what that looks like for me, like this is a trigger for me when I like, like for example, certain times of the year, Mm -hmm. right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. There's like a certain temperature in a certain day, time of day, like in the air, like there's, there's an actual fucking temperature in the air that will trigger me to want to use hmm. because it reminds me of barbecue days. Sure. Takes you back. Takes me back. Mm-hmm. The smell in the air takes me back. And I can, I can explain that to somebody else. And if they hear that, then they can go through their life and like all of a sudden, like 
a temperature will hit. Everything will be the same except for the temperature. And they'll go, oh, fuck. Here's what he was talking about, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's what, you know, just passing information, passing the experience, passing the practice on from one person to the next is the line of, of, of teaching, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool concept. Like, I, I got to have it. Otherwise, I'm going to fucking just be the same all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be the same. No, I mean, well, and it's like you said, you know, at the beginning of that rant that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, I love the way you talk, man. I I could listen to you speak for hours, but, uh, is, you know, the idea that we've got to have that growth, you know, and, and, and that work, what worked for me then does not work for me now, you know, like, so it's important that I do that I do remain teachable and that I add all these new elements or, or new concepts or new ideas, or at least experiment with them to see if they're going to work for me. Like when, I mean, just for example, like my morning routine, like that has changed so much oh, yeah. since, since, uh, since the early days of recovery. And, and mind you, like I keep adding to it. I very rarely will take something from it you know, or remove something from it. It's like it, it went from being, you know, 15 minutes in the morning and now it's like 45 minutes to an hour, you know, that I take each morning, like to really begin to start my day, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's because I keep adding things to it. I'm, I'm not taking things away because I need all that stuff too. Right. Right. Like right, right all right. that, all that stuff from like the early days and, and the things that I learned early on, like I need that stuff too. But I also have to add on this new stuff that I'm learning. Right. And it's almost like I gotta I gotta keep doing that old stuff because like I don't know I don't know who I am without it. You right. Know? Or like I don't know what I would do without it at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like to take it away would mean like, you know, like means I'm questioning something about it. And it's sure. like I don't wanna get into that territory either. So it's like, no, this has worked. It's always worked. It's what got me here. Like, I'm still going to do that. And I'm going to add on some of this new stuff to see, you know, like how this, this particular thing helps me begin my day. So I know for me, like one of the biggest things is to set, you know, an intention each day. And like, that's sort of a new concept for me. Right. But I was open to that concept through these ideas that you and I share that, you know, that I picked up from somewhere along the way because I've always remained open-minded and teachable, you know, like, am I going to, am I going to tell a new guy that, that, that that's what he has to do? No, I'm probably going to tell him that that's what I do. Right. But I'm not going to tell him like, this is what you have to do. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because for me, like, I've really just got to sort of explain to him like what I did when I was in his shoes. Yeah. Not necessarily what I'm doing now. Right. It's like, dude, when I was 30 days sober, I was a fucking mess. Like this, <laughs> this is what I was doing then. Like I, you know, like I was fucking gung ho, but I was also like hating myself. Like that's what it looked like for me to be 30 days sober. Like, mm-hmm. and so, you know, like I have to ex- exchange that experience like on a, on a sort of, what's that a lateral basis, right? Like this is, this is what I did when I was where you're at. This is what I did when I was experiencing your experience. Like instead of like, this is what I would do now. Yeah. Because it's not as relatable. Sure. Right. Like yeah. I'm a, and, and, and I say that I, I hope, I hope people can hear that with some humility, right? Like I'm not saying that because like I'm better than anybody. It's like, 
no, like I'm just at a different stage of the game. Right. right? Like, yeah. And so like when, when you are at this stage of the game, then I'll talk to you about what I did when I was at that stage of the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's such an interesting concept because I think, and, and, it, and it's fascinating actually, as we sit here discussing it, it just, it just reminds me, you know, like how much I've been able to learn through this recovery process and through this journey and through like the experiences that are shared with me through the conversations that I get to have with other people through, you know, listening to people like Claire's story, yeah. you know, and, 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 um, all the many, many stories that we get to hear because I, every time that somebody that we listen to a new story, it reminds me of stories that we've had in the past. And then it reminds me of just the fact that we're, having all these people share their stories and then I'm like humble that like this opportunity that we get like as host of this podcast to like you know to to share these people's stories and and their experience and hope that it will do something for a listener you know on that same yeah. teachable level right dude fire boom drop the mic <laughs> no I, I love I love as you were as you were talking I was I was listening to you from a place of teachability and it dawned on me that everybody that shares anything out of their mouth is trying to either teach something or share something. And, and Claire is no different. Like her story is, is so, so good. And, and, and her being willing to, to share her story with the hope that somebody learns something. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. She's like, I'm telling you, you know, and that may be an under uh, an unsaid thing, you know, but like, oh, man, like I, I like what you just said. That really got me fired up because, yeah, everybody is always anything that you're saying is within, you know, like somebody hear this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm saying something, learn something, share something like. Well, and, and with her, like, or with anybody that shares their story, maybe that person that needs to learn something is them, right? Like, I, I learn something every time I tell my story, even if it's just a different way to tell my story. Sure. You know? So, I, yeah, yeah. Like, truly, truly grateful to yeah. to be in a, a position today where, where, you know, it feels like we're able to, to both be teachable and to teach. Yeah. You know? through our own stories, through the experiences of others or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's talk about Claire. Let's yeah. She was great. Like, yeah. Um, rehab Barbie, rehab Barbie is the name of the podcast yep. with her and Melissa, right? Yep. Yeah. And she had great things to say about Melissa. Mm -hmm. they're yeah. And, they're, and their, their show is fun and yeah. informative. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of their, that's kind of their bag is, is information about the disease of alcoholism and, and how to how to navigate through that conversation through science and experience. And uh, it's a great concept. And, and I really enjoyed talking to them both. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Claire was Claire was really uh, outspoken and just fun. Like like her experience is so uh it was fun to listen to her story from from a different from being being from such a different background and being able to relate with what she was saying right like being able to relate through her experience and and like the doctors and the diagnosis and the mm. this experiences with mm -hmm. college and and 
her family and her being able to like bring all that out and tell it in such a way that that I think anybody can relate with, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I appreciate her sharing her story, and I appreciate everything that I got out of it. So yeah, me too. She was great, and uh, she she was in she was joining us from Brazil. Uh, I think yeah, she was out of country at the time. Yeah, when uh, we recorded that, but she's yeah. she's back now. So great. Uh, well, I'm glad she's with us. I'm glad she's a part of our recovery yeah. community. For sure. So uh, I think she can tell her story better than either one of us can. So without further ado, here is Claire's story. Uh, Hi, my name is Claire and I'm an alcoholic. Um, And I have a year and five months sober. Um, So you know, what happened for me is I started drinking, you know, pretty young middle school and I loved it right away. And I drank alcoholically right away. Um, I blacked out and I drank, you know, as much as I could, um, which would later progress every day. Uh, and you know, I was, having passing out and having serious health issues like there was never a time where I was like oh like drinking like a normal person um so that was always an issue um and it caused you know there's a lot of emotions with using with drinking so much and with using drugs um I was feeling depressed and having mood swings when I was younger and so I went to a psychiatrist and you know they're like oh you're having mood swings like what about your energy do you have any swings in energy or any times you can't sleep 15 and doing cocaine so I'm like yeah all the time I'm 15 doing cocaine so I say yes I'm having a lot of energy swings and they say you know we think you're bipolar (laughs) um they say they they think I'm bipolar um and popular when I was around 15 and so starting at a young age I thought I thought I had I was bipolar um and that was to me that was always my narrative it was like well that's why I'm always like drinking so much that I'm like passing out and like all these crazy things are happening like I have a very severe uh mental illness um and then I went to boarding school which was like this tiny school in Connecticut. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, like a million, sorry, not like a hundred people per grade. It was tiny and really strict, but the kids, it was like, everyone partied pretty hard. And it was the same there for me. Like, and this is what my sponsor talks about too. You have these extremes and she says addiction being an alcoholic, it's twofold. It's about having the physiological addiction to alcohol or your drug of choice, but also that personality. Um, and that's very much true for me. So, uh, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I, um, like I graduated the 98% average, like I was killing it with grades. And I was also like the, like, I should have been expelled, you know, like it was a two strike policy. Uh, if you're caught with drugs twice, they kick you out. I had like six strikes. Um, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> um, so it was just, it was really chaos. Um, I wrote half my college admissions essays 
drunk and then was like, why didn't I get in? Like just a lot of not really having a real awareness of what was going on. And then I went to college. And for me, that was a huge transition because I went from this tiny boarding school in New England and I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Sorry, I don't know if we can curse. I, I, okay. I need to get out of here. Like, I need to go to a huge school in the city where, like, you know, everybody's, like, not up in my business. Um, And so I went to a school in Montreal that's a very big school that I'm not going to name because I don't think they want to be associated with my story. (laughs) But um, I went there, and it it was a huge transition because, like, when I got to my dorm, we had the the floor fellows who ran our dorm and they're like, Hey, like, you know, we have, uh, one rule in this storm for hard drugs, write the name on your shoe of what drug you're doing, put it in your shoe. And if you go to the hospital, we'll know what you're on. So I was like, Oh, this is, this is perfect. Like, you know, let's go. Um, and I was started and, it was Canada, so I was kind of like, oh, it's basically Europe, so I can have wine at lunch, like all those mental loopholes, you know, so I, I and so I really started um, going wild. I failed like five classes for my freshman year, <laughs> and um, I also started, so I had that going on with school. I started working during the summer, and I did a year abroad in, abroad in New York, and there I was working in fashion, which I love, and that's what I work in now, but it's a really difficult industry for a blossoming alcoholic. Um, You know, there's a lot of events, and there's always champagne and all of that. So um, at the time that I was in New York, I, um, it really started, you know, to get out of control, I was going to work. And then I took classes in the evening at a school that uh, wasn't as academically rigorous as my other one. And so I was like, oh, well, I can just be drunk for this. So I was drunk during class. I was drunk. I was hungover during work and slash slightly drunk towards the end. Like it was just, (laughs) <laughs> it was bad. Um, and then I went back to um, Montreal for my senior year. And I was like, okay, Claire, like you, you, you're not going to graduate. Um, you need to get it together. And at, this was the time, this was the first time I really made a concentrated effort to stop drinking or to drink less. Um, it never really occurred to me to stop drinking, but I wanted to drink less. And obviously like I didn't do a good job at all. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I saw a therapist and I say therapist because she was really like a sober coach every week because I went to her and I signed up for therapy, but she was an addiction specialist. And we spent the whole time listing out you know my triggers and different ways to deal with cravings and like all of this like intense work um and she was like please stop drinking I was like no 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 um so 
And, and I tried like everything that all alcoholics try, you know, I switched from hard liquor to beer and I wrote tallies on my hand for every drink. And, and so, you know, my sister said to me, she's like, that's really weird that you need to write tallies on your hand. Like you're like 22. <laughs> well, everyone did that. Um, and I kind of had a bubble, you know, in New York where it's like, I was like, oh, this is, like, fun and young, and we're, like, waking up in our own puke every morning, you know, like, it, when you surround yourself with other people who are behaving in similar ways to you, you don't, it lets you, you know, normalize your insanity, um, so I was good at doing that, but, uh, by this point, um, well, at this point, so, in college, in university, I studied psychology and neuroscience, and, I realized two things. First of all, we learned about bipolar disorder and I read about the symptoms and I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't have this. Um, I've never really experienced any of these symptoms aside from, you know, the effects of drugs. And so at that point in time, I worked with, you know, I, I spoke to my psychiatrist about it and I was able to get off of the mood stabilizer that I've been on for nearly 10 years um, that I, you know, I didn't need at all. So that was a big change for me. And um, I think that helped kind of like set the path for a couple years later when I did get sober. The other thing is that I realized I was an alcoholic. I mean, I knew that, um, I didn't really believe that alcoholism was like really real, but like I knew that I fit the diagnostic material. Like it's like seven drinks a day for women or something. Like I, you know, I've been doing that since I was like 16. So I, I knew I like qualified as one and I was just like, you know, whatever. I didn't see any way out of that. Um, and I didn't want to stop drinking. And I was like, I'm just a functional alcoholic and that's just the way it's going to be. And I don't know what else to do. Um, and, you know, I tried, I tried really hard. It was like, but it was like, if I was able to do one night, just drink a bottle of wine, like that was awesome. So, um, you know, I graduated like just barely <laughs> and then I moved to New York City and I started looking for a job. I was partying a lot, and this is a time when my parents really stepped in, um, my whole family. I had three siblings, and we're all really, really close. So I was back in New York, and I was, like, partying a lot. I was really getting in with, like, a very fast crowd and all of that, and um, what, what happened was I was supposed to go home for uh, it was a father's day celebration and my brother's birthday and um and I didn't go because I was out all night and I was drunk and just you know all of that and I mean in the list of things I've done and situations I put my family through and everything like that is so so minuscule and like the amount of damage it caused but for them, that was really like the straw, the final straw, you know, they were like, this isn't our daughter. 
And also my dad's like super Italian. He's like, everyone needs to be home for family dinner. Like this will not fly. <laughs> um, so they all came to me and, you know, said, look, like you need to stop drinking. Like it's gotta end. We want you to go to AA. We want you to work with, um, like a doctor, sober coach, addiction specialist, and really give it a try to like completely stop, which wasn't something that I would even consider. Um, and then, but I mean, you know, it's like my whole family asking this of me and my siblings and everything. And so it's like, okay, you know, I'll give it a try. Um, and I'll learn how to moderate, you know, like, like I was like, I'm never going to stop. Um, and then during, in my treatment, some really, uh, big, I had some really big revelations and that was a lot of the inspiration for our podcast, Rehab Barbie. Um, because I, you know, I started working with this addiction specialist and I was like, look, like I, drinking is like I like it more than anything else even though it's like ruining my life I love it so if I have to stop like I'm gonna need some evidence why I can't drink like I'm not gonna be able to just you know have faith and lose control and like I I was like I need the facts and so she um gave me this book she's really understanding she laid out a whole program for me she gave me this book it's called Under the Influence. It's my favorite book. It changed my life. It's like a textbook. So that's really sad. But um, it's amazing because it's written by a doctor and he goes into the whole physio- physiology behind addiction and how alcohol is, isn't addictive for everyone Only and, and other drugs. Only 10% of the population can become addicted. And it's the way that the neurons in your brain interact with alcohol and things like your liver enzymes, stuff like that, that you, nobody has any control over. I mean, there's no amount of therapy. There's no mood stabilizer, fucking like whatever. Like I could have the best life in the world and I'm not changing my liver enzymes. Um, So, and it, laid it all out like all the facts and the studies and all the nitty-gritty details of the neurons which is what I needed because like I wasn't gonna stop until like you know I really saw it and not plain black and white so that was so helpful for me and then at that same time I also met you know through AA and recovery and all that I met other um there are people who had really, really similar stories to me and who I saw myself in. Um, and so that's when, you know, I, I understood alcoholism as a disease that it was. And then seeing myself in these other people, uh, I, I understood and accepted that it was a disease that I had. And, and that's when I met Melissa. <laughs> um, and she... Uh, you know, Cuckoo became really like a sister to me. And we 
you know, for both of us, it's so helpful having such a strong community around us. We're both fairly young and it can be really hard, like going out and doing normal things that like I'm 26, a 26 year old would do. And people act like I'm literally insane for not drinking. Like you don't have to explain anything else, like smoking cigarettes. If someone offers you a cigarette and you're like, no, I don't smoke. Everyone's like, no one cares. But if someone offers you a beer and you're like, no, I don't drink. They're like, oh my God, like at all? Like they really think I'm crazy. Um, so we wanted to talk about that and like making the open thing um, and normalize it. And then also to, you know, talk about that science behind it. And there's so much research out there that like, you know, I'm always reading, like, texting Melissa stuff. <laughs> She's like, please stop. But, um, you know, just everything, like, the way alcohol affects your brain, the way spirituality affects your brain. Like, why did the 12 steps, um, you know, if this is a physiological disease, why did the 12 steps help? And, and because they do. Um, and, you know, that's something I've been really looking into like why did how spirituality and having a higher power changes your brain and how your neurons function differently when you have stronger relationships with the social groups around you and I'm like really the biggest nerd at heart so it's like my favorite thing and it's so 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 helpful to me because you just can't argue with science <laughs> at least I can't so um you know that's been Amazing, and that's where I'm at now, a year and a half. Uh, I really didn't think I could do it. To be honest, I would not have bet on myself, but here I am. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we, you know, you everyone should check us out. We share our stories. We have some really, really great interviews, and we delve into the science and also the more like fun and scandalous like what is sex like sober you know we are fun <laughs> we like to think um so anyway rehab barbie rehabbarbie.com um we're also on twitter and instagram and our podcast is on rehabbarbie.com on spotify apple podcasts deezer everywhere we're everywhere so that's that's it <laughs> Yeah, I can relate with that. I wouldn't have bet on me in the beginning either, but here we are, and I'm grateful that you are. Thank you for sharing that. Like, yeah. totally great. With, I wouldn't bet on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know uh, how much faith I had in myself in those early days, man. I just, I just knew that I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. No, it sounds like she was in, a, in the same spot, you know. Yeah. Like, she, uh, she had, she had quite a story. Like, yeah. I really, really dug, uh, you know, hearing about the college life yeah, and, and what it was like for her in that scene of, of alcoholism. I never, I've never heard of that. Like writing, a writing the drug of the, the drug of the night on, on a little yeah. piece of paper and putting it in your shoe. It's almost, it's comforting. I'm, I'm a responsible lad. <laughs> and discouraging in yeah. a way. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it, I guess when they know that you're probably going to use a hard drug anyways, yeah. it's like, Hey man, we get that you're going to do it. You're in college, whatever. Like, but just be responsible about it yeah. and do this so that if anyways, no, totally. Like we didn't do any of that shit when I was fucking partying. Like when people fell out, there's no telling what, 
what they're on. And, and the drug world is so fucking dangerous anyway that, mm. that it's, it's hard to say. So for, to, for, for people to take any type of responsibility for that, you know, uh, I'm grateful that uh, it sounds like she never had to use it, but you know, yeah. I mean, she started young, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, not many 15 year olds were doing cocaine, but <laughs> I kind of, I have to kind of laugh that, you know, they're like, are you having, you know, energy swings? It's like, yeah, a little bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> it might be the cocaine. That might be right the cocaine, here, you know. But I can relate with that, too, you know, using it at such a young age. And then had had I been, you know, a little more thorough with, with you know, therapy and, and all that stuff, I'm sure there would have been plenty of diagnosis for me that... Mm. And and maybe there there were some mental issues. I don't know. Like like I appreciate the fact that she she looked into it herself. Eventually, yeah, was able to to remain teachable. You know, later on, and and be like, you know, I don't think that I do have this according to to this yeah. research. Like, it's probably not that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's funny because like all that stuff when we're when we're in the throes of the disease, like every 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 time that somebody puts me in a position to believe something negative about myself it's just more fuel for the fire sure right like so oh i'm bipolar great i'm, I'm gonna have a drink over that yeah you know? like i'm gonna and, use that as a reason did. to drink exactly yeah like, um you know for for me uh, you know, there was a lot of medical issues that were reasons for me to drink too so i definitely identified with that you know mm-hmm. and like now that I'm at this stage of my recovery, I get to do the same thing she did, like reanalyze that stuff and be like, is that even, is that, is that real? Like, you know what I mean? Like, or am I just an alcoholic? Yeah. You know, like some of, some of it's real, like in my own experience, it's like, well, yeah, it, it it probably was real to an extent, but I wasn't giving myself a fair shot either, you know, like with depression, anxiety and stuff like that. It's like, well, yeah, maybe it is real, but I'm not, I'm not doing the best thing I can for myself to try and, you know, escape that before taking a, a drug yeah. or, or a pill, you know, or whatever the case is. And, and those things just add to it anyway. You right. Know? And then, and then, you know, the, the her having a family, a, a, a huge family structure where it's like, you know, you be here, you know, we love each other. And, and then just always, you know, I always kind of felt like I was letting everybody down. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where, you know, she was getting good grades. She finally threw all that away. Yep. And, and then, just couldn't do anything but drink and use and then her family finally stepped in and was like fuck you you're missing out this isn't okay this isn't our daughter this isn't who you are and so like it's time it's time to to level up and and be done with this way of life and and she agreed Mm -hmm. right she agreed Mm -hmm. and and did what she needed to do to to get into sobriety and now a year and a half later, she has the podcast. She has success under her belt, you know, the through through the pandemic, the epidemic. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is mm-hmm. which took a lot of us out. Uh, which is, you know, very noble and and you know, if you guys get the chance, like, well, just check out the show. Check mm-hmm. out their show. You know, you can find them on Instagram at Real Rehab Barbie and um, their stuff. I assume is on every listening platform yeah. as well. Yeah. Re- Rehab Barbie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to sit down with Claire again last night and, and I'll be featured on their show in an upcoming episode. And so, you know, we're, we're cross pollinating this recovery stuff together. And, and I love that. Oh yeah. I yeah. love that we're promoting each other's stuff and I love being a part of it. So Claire, again, thank you so much for, 
for your story, for your time, for your effort, for what you've taught the people that are listening, our audience, and yeah. what I learned. So, yeah, thank you so much. I, I can't thank you enough. And and Melissa too. You know, thanks for both of you for for coming on here. And 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 like Willie said, you know, like we're we're in a position where we can you know help each other spread a positive message. And and again, like through through our actions hopefully be in a position where we can teach others you know Mm -hmm. like if i'm teaching with my message if i'm teaching with your message if i'm teaching with you know another podcast message there is no reason to hold back because it you know all it takes is the right message to reach the right person and then boom you know the lights come on yeah and hopefully we get to see that change yeah for sure yeah happy to be here yeah good good stuff Good stuff. I hope, I hope that I remain teachable. I hope that I remain learned. I hope that I remain humble. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and willing. And definitely remain willing, so that I can have all those things. Yeah, man. I gotta. I gotta have it all. You know, like if if there's one thing that uh, that it's okay for me to want more of, it's it's uh, it's recovery. Yeah. Or, you know. The other thing I want or. more of is this brainwashed coffee that I'm drinking. Oh, the this show. delicious brainwashed coffee. Yeah. Yes. So. Actually, you know, let's just take a moment and say, you know, Billy with brainwashed coffee has yeah. been nice enough to, uh, to, to help fuel the podcast with his coffee. Um, and, yep. and 50% of all proceeds go to uh, rehab facilities to help those in need. And so I would uh, definitely recommend drinking this delicious coffee. Yep. Um, if you drink it from another side of hell podcast mug, the better on you. <laughs> um, but uh, but on that note, you know you can follow us on uh, on Instagram at the other side of hell one hundred and one. Um, Brainwash Coffee is at Brainwash Coffee Co. Um, and uh, and yeah, email us. Check out our website. We got a website, uh, the other side of hell podcast dot com where you can get resources, news, information about the show, check out any show that you want. Um, and also, obviously, of course, you can get uh, some of our awesome merch there, rep the show. So. Yeah, appreciate that. So. Yeah. Cameron, thanks for coming out again. Ah, thanks for being be here. here. Jordan, man. thanks for coming out, doing all the stuff you, you know, not snoring back the there while, you're, while we're up here talking. Appreciate you doing the clack. Love you guys. You know, and until next time, we'll see you on the other side. You are worth the work. Work.